Welcome to Luxuries for Your Soul with Alexis Kletchian and Lauren Galt. Every episode is a look at life through the lens of luxury, whether it's the dismantling of belief systems, pursuing our passions, or standing in our truth. We approach each conversation with genuine curiosity of what it means to have a well-lived life. Which brings us to ask a question. Are you happy? Truly happy? That's the million-dollar question that Sinead Butler, today's guest, began to ask herself and is the genesis of her current journey. In today's episode, we hear why Sinead left Ireland and how she ended up in Massachusetts. We discuss her career as a luxury real estate agent and the passion of being a parent. And she shares what started her pursuit of happiness, including undergoing a certificate in happiness from the Happiness Academy and attending the World Happiness Summit twice. Sinead brings her warmth, beautiful spirit, and infectious energy to the podcast. So grab your coffee and settle in because we are excited to share this conversation. Everyone should have a friend like Sinead at their table. If you want to connect with us, our links are in the show notes below. And if you are loving these conversations and want to show your support, please leave us a five-star review and share a favorite episode with your friends on social media. I have my office, you know, two miles away where I go to work, but I I tend to work a lot at home or else I come here. But I love to come here because I can sit down and have a coffee and pretend I'm in Europe. (laughs) Sounds wonderful. I I do love America. (laughs) Are you a citizen? Yes, I am. A proud citizen of, oh gosh, seven years. Yeah. And my kids, because they were under the age of, of 18, they became citizens automatically. Can you share your story um, coming to the U.S.? Because I don't think I know that. Oh, gosh. So uh, it's going on 16 years, actually, and decided that it was time for a change. And with my ex-husband, we looked at places to live in Ireland and we literally went away for a weekend and took out a flip chart. So that's how long ago it was. And we went through the pros and cons of, you know, staying in Ireland, moving to the UK, moving to France or moving to the US. And we had, he had set up a business then that was focused on the US. So we decided to move. And then when we were looking for a place to live, I came over and found, you know, I I wanted to go to where the riches of Eastwick had been made. (laughs) And so we hired a car and we got there and I went, Oh, this is not the place at all. <laughs> so what I was thinking of was that movie with Sarah Jessica Parker, um, Hocus Pocus. the other witch, Hocus Pocus, yeah. which wasn't made anywhere near here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we got down and we had 15 minutes to literally, because we had to go back to the city for a meeting, we had no GPS and we had 15 minutes to have a quick drink and we went into a bar here and, we, and I just said, this is so quaint, it's so pretty. This is where we should come and look to live. And so situated is two miles up the road. And that's what we did. We literally took a pin and stuck it in the map. That's so cool. Mm. And were you in real estate before you moved? No, I had my own business. I was a business trainer and I was a business mentor for SMEs, small to medium enterprises. And I left that behind to come over, to be over here. And so the focus was on his work and to build a business. And my focus was on the kids were quite small at the time. They were eight, eight and six. And my focus was to settle them in and to make friends for us all. And that took (laughs) a couple of years. (laughs) 
<laughs> but also I, I couldn't work for the first two years. I think I couldn't work. So once I realized that I could work, then obviously it's what I wanted to do. So I went about it in maybe a little bizarre way, but this is what I was used to doing in Ireland and because it's what I taught. And I asked a friend of mine whom I greatly admired, and she just happened to be in real estate, but that's not the reason I asked her. I asked her if she would act as a mentor for me. And so she wasn't necessarily familiar with that. She was at work, but dealing with someone who wasn't within her business. So we sat down every two weeks for uh, a couple of hours and we would go through, well, you know, do you want to go back to college? Do you want to work, you know, sorry, university here? And do you, we just intertwine those two words in Ireland? <laughs> I'm constantly correcting myself with words. I'm still learning a new language, basically, in America. And then it came, do I want to go into the city and work, go on the train every morning and work in the city? And my kids were young and we were in a new country and I just felt, no, I needed to be at home. I needed to have access to time off. So I ended up becoming a realtor because it afforded me that time to be able to work on my own time. And that's why I became a realtor. (laughs) I just want to point out the fact that somebody you became friends with took how many hours out of the week to sit with you? So every every two weeks, she spent about two hours with me. Hmm. And she was then, I was then, I was a little afraid of her. She would laugh. She would laugh. I'm meeting her for dinner tonight, actually. She would laugh if I told her. And she, but I knew that she would hold me accountable. And two weeks later, I would have to do my research as in, I was thinking of doing a writing course and and I had to come back to her and say, this is how much it costs, this is how long it takes. And then if I wanted to work in businesses, what did I want to work in, you know, if I went into the city? So we had to go through everything in order to discount them. And that's where I came up with the idea of, look, I'll become a realtor. Now, I became a realtor and I didn't earn a penny for a full year. And I worked my tushy off to learn as much as I could because I'm the type of person that I need to know everything yesterday. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. I don't feel I have a move forward. That's a plus, but it can also be a negative. (laughs) Right, because you already do have everything that you need inside of you. Exactly, exactly. But it's good to have the knowledge, though, and it's good to have the skill. And you learn that in real estate in particular. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people think that real estate is, oh, gosh, those people work. They don't work hard and they earn a lot of money. I'm just saying we work really hard, especially the, the agents that bring in a lot of the business. You work very hard. Last night, I didn't finish work till 9.30. You know, it could have been 12 o'clock, and as is often the case. But will I have lots of time off during the day to do my own stuff? Yes, absolutely. Mm. And that's how the two of you met, right? That's how the two of us met. I hope I can tell this story, Alexis. Uh, I want to hear young, your version of it. Yeah, yes. This young couple <laughs> walked into the office one day when I was on, I was answering the phones. And I didn't realize it, but they were on a motorbike and they came in, they said, look, we like that house in the window and we'd like to see it. And I said, oh, absolutely. No problem. Let's go and see it. I organized it with the list agent and they arrived to the showing uh, with its jeans, trainers, runners, whatever we call them here, and on a motorbike. And the listing agent looked at me and just, she just looked at me and I, she didn't say anything, but I knew what she was thinking. Like, who are these people? Can they afford a cardboard box, let alone this house? So I was smiling inside. I just thought it was so funny. You can never judge a book by its cover. And that was a perfect example. So anyway, that's how it happened. You didn't buy that house, but I did end up, you know, selling your house for you, uh, the house that you were living in at the time. And in a hot minute. 
in a hot minute. And it was so much fun. And you learn something new on every real estate deal you do. And it's arrogant to think that you don't. And I'm 12 years in. And it's fun to learn. And it's part of the kick that, you, that I get out of working as a realtor. You're constantly educating yourself, whether it's a, it, through a home inspection or whether it's with clients on how to handle them or how they deal with you. And one of the things I remember your husband, Gareth, saying to me, Alexis, was I said to him, look, Gareth, could you get rid of all that rubbish, or that garbage outside, you know, behind the barn? And he said, that's not garbage. That's treasure. <laughs> and I, I so we started laughing and luckily he didn't take offense. And he said, look, Sinead, one man's garbage is another man's treasure. And that was such a, a big thing for me. I, I thought, you know, I can never say that to anybody again. So I have to watch this. So I've never said that again. <laughs> You'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> what, what was this treasure? Well, apparently it was pieces of cars um, and okay. you know that to me looked like they should go in a dumpster. Right. And uh, probably you know, like a boat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> parts, parts Part. of things. So you did not end up getting that house, Alexis, but then Sinead, you helped her sell her home. I did. I did indeed. Yes. Awesome. So you guys yes. clearly hit it off pretty instantly. Absolutely. And it's funny how people come into your lives, I think, at times when you're ready to hear what they have to say. Mm. Now, you might think I'm a, I'm a little cuckoo, but I honestly believe that hand and heart. And when I sold your house, you blew me away, Alexis, because you gave me a gift. It's a, of a gold dog tag, a, a beautiful piece of jewelry, which I'm actually wearing. And I wear it most days, to be honest. And on it, you said, Sinead, I'd like to write the word. And you had Googled it. And I was really impressed, the Irish word for light, which is solace. And I said, wow, that's so touching. And I thought about it for a day and I came back to you and I said, look, would it be okay if we changed it to sunus? And that's the Irish word for happy. Mm. And the magnitude of that is actually only coming to me now, really, in the sense that I wasn't happy in my life at the time, in my marriage. And that was a, the starting point for me to start saying, I'm innately happy. I love life. I'm very outgoing. And I just feel I wasn't happy inside, but everybody outside thought that I was because mm -hmm. I could put on a good mask. Mm. And I had been wearing that mask for a while. So I started to question, well, where is my happy? And then that led to, I fought hard for my marriage and, and in fairness to my ex-husband, so did he. And it, but it wasn't to be. So we ended up actually getting divorced just a few months ago. And I'm on a path for that happy to reconnect with myself and to find my authentic self. Not that it hasn't gone away. Of course not. I've just ignored it for a lot of years. So it's exciting times. So what were you ignoring? I was ignoring myself. Mm. I was definitely ignoring what I wanted out of life. And I was putting everybody else first. And I was putting myself want? last. Well, that's just it. I'm on my quest, Alexis, right now. <laughs> I was hiding. I was hiding behind a mask. Everybody thought that life was very good for me. And what did that look like, hiding behind Ooh. a mask? Looking back, it was very damaging for me because I wasn't being true to myself. And I was living a life thinking, yes, this is the right thing to do because it's going to lead to X. But in actual fact, it wasn't going to lead to X. I, I was allowing people to, I wasn't setting boundaries with others. And it was a, a sad place to be, actually. But I am happily have left that behind. And sometimes I think that can happen in life where you convince yourself that you're doing the right thing, 
but you're not paying attention to your inner self, to your heart and to your gut. I'm sure it's Mm -hmm. also complicated when you have kids and you're trying to do Mm -hmm. the best for them. And of course, once you have kids, I have two small kids. I did not realize that this was going to happen. But once you have kids, you really don't think about yourself at all. There's just not enough hours in the day, you know. And they come first. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know. I think if mom is not happy, no one's happy. Correct. And I, and that's, I was going to follow up with that. So I would never say to somebody, oh, your kids come first and you need to stay and you need to look after them. I think that if you're in an unhappy marriage, that you're actually showing your kids, if you leave it, if you, you know, fight for it, first of all, but mm-hmm. then if you leave it, you're leaving it with your head held high mm-hmm. and your kids are watching. I would never want my kids to grow up stay in an unhappy marriage or an unhappy relationship because they think that's the right thing to do. It's the wrong thing to do. And I am teaching my kids or I have, you know, that that is, this is the way to go. Follow your heart. You have got to follow. This is the one chance we get on this planet. And you have got to be able to look back and say, I made the right choices for myself. Exactly. Yeah. And you have beautiful children. You know, and I know one of the things that you have asked other people in podcasts or what would you consider a well-lived life? And one of the things that I would say was would be that I'm raising or have raised children into young adults that, who are kind and thoughtful. And that's mm-hmm. very important for me. Yes. That's no easy feat. No, it's very tough. And I remember the period of time where my eldest daughter, Alana, love her oh my gosh and she was just oh snuggle snuggle I love you mommy I love you I love you and they said they called me mommy in Ireland and the moment they came to America they called me mom and I said I'm not your mom (laughs) so we still fight over that but at the age of 12 she turned literally overnight from an absolute angel into somebody that was just horrible (laughs) really and for many years I think it was about 18 I had to wait a long time and there isn't a week that goes by that she doesn't say now, oh, I was so horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but your kids, your girls can sometimes go through that. And my younger daughter, Ava, didn't go through that. And we have a different relationship. And it's fun to see the relationships change as your kids get older. Um, but she's also if, a twin. And is a twin. Yes, she is. Yeah. And her brother is completely different to her. And, you know, he and I used to fight like cats and dogs like this. And he would say black and I would say white. And so that oh, was, yeah. that was, <laughs> yeah, I think you have one of those. And, and that is interesting because we had completely different personalities. And I love the ground he walks on. He's absolutely adorable. And he's 24 now. He's a young man and following his own dream. He's living in Vietnam for two years. Wow. And teaching English and doing his master's online. And this is a guy who has ADHD, inactive type in school. So he struggled a lot in school. So for him to, you know, he went to Galway in Ireland to do his honours degree. I mean, I couldn't be prouder of him. He's just an amazing, amazing guy. It's incredible. But he did drive me crazy. (laughs) I have nothing more to say after that. Just real quick. What happened in your life that made you sort of your eyes open and you realized that you needed to reassess if you were happy? Was it something that you'd been feeling for a while or was there a pivotal moment? There was something that I was feeling for a long time and I kept thinking it would change. It would be better. It would be better soon. It'll be better soon. And I seemed to have, I was retreating into myself. And I wasn't moving forward. I wasn't looking for paths for myself. I wasn't looking. I was just staying still Mm. and silent. 
two unhealthy things in my mind. Yes, no, completely. You're also a seeker. And I know that you love a good mm. spiritual modality. Can you tell us some of the modalities you tried to find your happiness? So you're talking to someone who will try anything, no matter how crazy it is. And I've probably tried many, many things. I've certainly searched for healing therapies for you know many years. I've tried so many of them and so many are fabulous. There's one called Shen Therapy, S-H-E-N. And it is a healing therapy where you don't actually have to talk. And that's the one thing that I always search out because I don't really want to talk, <laughs> even though it comes naturally to me. I just want the healing to get on with the healing and move on. Of course, that can't happen. <laughs> but Shen therapy is interesting because you're sitting, you're lying on a tent bed and that tent bed is uh, frame is sitting on top of a massage table and the therapist puts their hand one hand on the top of your the trunk of your body say your tummy and then underneath they have the other hand and you can feel heat or cold sensations through the hands it's and it's releasing negative energy out of your body it's it's really cool i can't i haven't found anywhere in the states where i can do that or at least nobody nowhere in massachusetts but i've, I've tried everything and i love new experiences and i love new things but the thing that i'm doing at the moment is somatic therapy how it started was I had a pain in my shoulder for 10 months. And for 10 months, I went to my osteopath. And month after month, I would go to him. And he's, he's usually pretty good at getting rid of aches and pains. or And nothing was happening. And I thought, gosh, after 10 months, I'm going to have to try something different. And I had done somatic yoga a couple of years previously in England, which one of my sisters lives. And I thought that was pretty cool. I'll try that because slow somatic movement is supposed to be very good for releasing pain. So I couldn't find anybody locally. But then I discovered that one of the Pilates teachers that I go to locally here, she actually was a, a somatic therapist. So I researched that a little bit. And then I asked her and she said, sure. So she said, the only thing is, Sinead, you need to sign up for three months, which is a big commitment when you're doing something that you don't know much about. And I just thought, you know what, Sinead, the universe is sending this to you at this time. Just grasp it, take it in and go with it. And so it turns out somatic therapy is really, really hard. It's part talk therapy, part breath work, but not breath work as we know it in the sense of yoga, deep, breathing deeply, holding one, two, three, four. It takes breath work to a whole new level. And it's part movement and very slow movement and retraining muscles. And so Can you give us a taste? Oh, gosh. I'll try and put a little bit into words. It's quite tough. First of all, you have to be at the right time in your life where you're really open for this to happen. So you're, you know, you're sitting in a yoga pose and you are, you get into your relaxed breathing. And then she asks you about something that, you know, is a memory that has come up. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, sometimes it would go back to my childhood. Now, I have to say, I had the happiest childhood ever. I, I'm so grateful that I have the parents that I have and that I had had the childhood that I have had had, I'm sorry, have had. <laughs> However, there are small things that can happen to you as a child that become hugely significant and you can carry that through your life. Mm -hmm. I was extremely chatty as a child. I was extremely bubbly. I was bouncing around the place. I was asking a million questions. I, I must have driven my mother crazy. So what happened was I was told to be quiet because that was the only way I could be managed. And so obviously a memory came up and it was quite shocking in the sense that the therapist asks you to talk about it. And then you you come to a safe place 
and then you go through this memory, you suddenly, you start to cry, but you don't cry in normal crying, you're actually heaving. And then, so to bring you back, to let you heal and let it release, you start to do the breath work. And the breath work could be, <sighs> and you do that for maybe 10, 12 minutes. And that's exhausting until you, can do it, until you can do it no more. And then you start the healing process of your little girl self and you're hug- holding her hands or you're hugging her and you're saying, I'm here, it's okay. And it sounds very easy and flippant, but it's actually quite exhausting to do. So after an hour and a half, you literally need a couple of hours afterwards to come back down to earth and relax, you know, get back into your groove of your daily routine. It's awesome. If you're open to it, it's absolutely awesome. And, and every week is a little bit different. There might be more movement involved. There might be more breath work. There might be more talk involved. One of the things that she did was really interesting was sit around a table and you're sitting at the top of the table and you're in charge, but you have all your different parts sitting at the table with you. So she asks you to name them. So one of them could be, well, the sad part of me. And then there could be the really angry part of me. And then there's the dark side. And then there's the lazy side. And then you have the humorous, really funny side who's working really hard because of the mask that you have on. And then there's the side that's a go-getter, wants to get things done. And then there's the confident side and the really strong you. And you're sitting with all of these parts of you. Now, everybody will have different parts, obviously, but I'm just naming out the ones that come to mind. And you go around the table and you say, okay, tell me what it is that you're thinking. And everybody around the table gets a chance to speak and nobody can speak over them. And their opinion is valuable. And that exercise to do, if you do it on a regular basis, is really revealing because you're not judging your angry self. You're not judging your dark self. You're there saying, well, I'm here because, you know, my sad self is here because, well, something could happen to me and I need to protect myself. I can't just go away. I have to stay here just in case I become sad. And that's fair enough. So you just allow all of them to talk. I I know I sound like a crazy woman. No, but but it is, but it's very therapeutic. Sounds like it. How many people are in the Mm. class or normally? Oh, no, it's one-on-one. It's one-on-one. Okay. It's one-on-one. I don't think, I'm sure maybe you could do it in a class, but I wouldn't be comfortable. This woman knows more about me. Yeah. I've been the most vulnerable I've ever been in my life in the last two and a half months with her than I have with anybody else in my life. Can you tell us what some of your parts have said to you? Sure. My lazy part says, oh, don't change. No, don't change. Let's just do our routine. Let's keep with our routine. And then everybody's happy and nobody has to do anything outside. We're used to this. This is what we like. This is what's normal. And obviously, I say, thank you for your voice, lazy self. (laughs) (laughs) However, I'm in charge and we're not going to do that today. Mm -hmm. We're going to do the stuff that I want to do. And so also part of the the therapy, it's really interesting part of it because there's so many parts to it. One of the parts of therapy is is future journalism, excuse me, future journalism. Oh, forget it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. right. One of the parts is future journaling. And I always thought, oh, yeah, I'm not really into that, you know. But what she is making me do is write out, uh, there's about eight sentences. And for example, one of them would be, I'm shifting my habit self by disregarding these patterns and I'm changing and heading towards my authentic self. So mm-hmm. that's one. And you write it out for 30 days in a row. 
Now, clearly, when you get halfway there, you go, 30 days? This is going to take me a lot longer. But she sets you up for 30 days so that you don't feel, I've got to do this forever. And then, well, your mind, your mind learns from repetition. So the more you tell yourself that, yes. you rewrite the story in your head. Your lazy self is like, yeah. shit, I better get on board because I'm not in charge anymore. And it's really important to write it, physically write it down. Yeah. Because then it's going transferring to a hand, from your hand to your pen, to the paper, and it's now black and white, blue and white, and it's written down on a piece of paper so it becomes gospel to you. And so that's very important. And the other part, there's several sentences, but one of them is, I'm practicing being my authentic self. When I take a moment to ask my authentic self what my wants and needs are before I make a choice. So it sounds easy, but when you do that every day, I've started to sit back and go, I'm a real yes person. Sure, I'll do that. No problem. I'll do that. I'll take this on. Yes, of course, I'm available. And now I'm sitting back going, what do I want? What are my needs? What are my wants? And once I've recognized that, I can then say, okay, I'll do it because I want to keep this person happy, but I'm knowingly doing it that I don't necessarily want to. Or else I say, no, I'm not doing that. That doesn't suit me anymore. That doesn't serve me. So what are you no longer available for? I am no longer available for people who are not authentic or who are hiding behind arrogance, for example, or ego. I just feel I don't have to do that anymore. I'm no longer available for people who don't respect my boundaries when I set them. And I'm no longer available for people who take and don't give back. Mm. Can you tell the difference between someone hiding behind arrogance and ego when it's really just masking pain? Mm-hmm. No, it's not that I can. I'm not an expert. I mean, I'm a human being. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I think, I think, yes, I think I'm certainly perceptive to someone who's Mm -hmm. hiding behind pain, but I have to decide my go-to place would have been, oh, help. What can I do to help them? And now I'm going through a phase of being selfish and it's very funny to watch. And in actual fact, she's advising me to try this on. It mean it won't fit me, but I've got to try it on to make myself feel uncomfortable in the sense that I was laughing this morning at a Pilates class that I normally would, you know, pass out. I'd go up and get the cleaning liquid and the spray and the little mats that we use to clean and I would give them to other people around me. I've stopped doing that. It's such a small thing. No. I feel so mean. That's it's so mean. No, that's a good good Step in the right direction. I'm that person, by the way, that gets it and hands. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So I can relate to that. Yeah. So it's okay. I'm giving my permission to myself to say, it's okay not to do that. Other people don't do it. Yeah. Right. You helped me pack my home. I do you remember that? Yes, I do. Now that you say that. You sat on the floor with me and you helped me pack. Yes, I do. I remember that. In fairness, though, it was only, oh, now here I go. You're welcome. As opposed to me saying, it was only a few hours, Alexis, of my time. But yeah, that was so nice of you to acknowledge it, and you did at the time. And it's a lovely memory. Yeah, it was. And you've picked me up from the airport? <gasps> yes, and we went for lunch, and it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and you showed me your ring that I thought, oh, I don't know if I'd ever wear that. You, you were, had a lot of jewelry on you at the time. You were going to a show or something, and I, I said, oh, I don't know if I'd wear that. And then it never left my mind, that ring. And then mm. years later... I came to you and I said, do you have something similar? And you said, I have the ring and I am wearing it now. I (laughs) never take it off. I wasn't ready at the time for it. Now I look at it every day and it is, brings me joy. 
Yeah, it's a fantastic, it's a once in a lifetime ring with the gemstone cut by Jean Noel of top notch faceting. It's spectacular. Yes. Really cool guy to watch actually on video to see Mm -hmm. how he works. Mm -hmm. Meant for you. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for not having boundaries back then for me. How would you count? How would I have done so many things? There have been so many conversations with Sinead. And your daughter drove all the way to Pennsylvania to babysit my kids for a weekend. And she had so much fun. She had so much fun. And she's going on a road trip. She's probably going to listen to this podcast. But um, she decided not to do her master's program. So, And she said, I'm going to travel across the country in my car. So I said, great. So you've dropped, out of, you've dropped out of college and you're going to live in your car. Fantastic. And she laughed and said, I already have a degree. So don't tell people I dropped out of college. <laughs> right. So she's on, a, she's on her own path and she's on her own adventure. And this is something that she wants to do. And I'm 100% behind her. It's exciting. Right. Well, call me along the road, Alana. Call us. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it'll be in various states racing if you need anything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just offering his help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she just covered so much. I'm kind of speechless. This is like the whirlwind of Sinead. I love it. <laughs> and, and I'm actually trying to calm. I'm trying to be calm. I mean, I want to wave my hands and go, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Right. So, yes, please. So you move here from another country. You clearly like mm-hmm. the area because you're still living there and you're mm-hmm. constantly helping other people find their home, which I've never really thought about it, but that's kind of an extraordinary mm-hmm. job to have. Mm-hmm. What is your, where do you live? What's your perfect home? Like, do you have things you need in your house that make it that special place for you? So I sold my family home uh, last year and I'm currently living in a rental because I'm trying to decide, just got divorced and I thought there's a lot of change. Mm -hmm. So I just need some time to breathe. And that's what I'm doing at the moment. Things that are important to me are my artwork, Mm. mostly done by artists that I know personally and that mean a lot to me. trying to think, is there anything else? Hmm, Not much else. My dog. That's important. important to me. That's important. Little Oscar, oh, who is I love uh, an, an, Ita- uh, an Italian Bolognese, mm. which is of the Bichon family. Most people don't know what that is, apart from a dinner. He's white and fluffy. Aww. So if you just, I have bushy blonde hair and he's very similar. <laughs> <laughs> what about sunlight? Do you have a lot of sunlight? I have a lot of sunlight. That is extremely important to me. In fact, one of the reasons why I left Ireland. It's very tough if you're susceptible to sunlight or to dark grey skies. We have a lot of grey skies in Ireland. Now, it's the most wonderful country in the world. And if you ever go to visit, please ask me for tips on where to go. Connemara is one of the most breathtaking places on the planet. But it's going to be raining and it's going to have, have, you know, the skies are going to be overcast. And I feel that I need a lot more light. And in New England, even though we have a lot of snow and we, it's very cold, mostly during the winter, the skies are blue and the sun is shining. Even though it doesn't matter how cold it is or how many feet of snow you have outside. And that was really important to me. And so I live a lot better here, psychologically, mentally. I'm definitely yeah. one of those people that's very much affected. I mm. mean, even today, because it's been two days of sort of cold. Well, yesterday got better, but it's that cold gray over. I mean, it really does affect Mm -hmm. my mood terribly. I always have trouble adjusting when it gets dark really early in the fall for like a week, 10 days. 
and then I get better. But it is, it's it's quite an adjustment. And I feel that in January and February, especially in Ireland, not so much here in New England, I would hibernate Mm. like a a little bear. (laughs) I didn't want to do, go outside. I didn't want to do exercise. Yeah. So that was my time that I found that tough. I found January and February tough. Whereas here, I don't. It's a mindset. Of course it is. You're going to ask yeah. that question. Yeah. Well, because you live by the water and it's freezing in New England yeah. at that time with the wind and I had to get out of there. But you know, I moved to my moon line, which mm-hmm. I didn't realize happened. And I'm so happy. You'll have to explain the moon line. What does that mean? My astrogeography. So I moved mm. to my moon line. So I need to know where my moon line is, please. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's next. Don't worry. Lorna, are you living in your moon line? I have no idea. She's going to have to give me mine later. (laughs) No, but Lauren has a line that runs through New York City, and New York City is her favorite place. But I don't know if she's a believer, Sinead, in in many of these Uh, modalities. Sometimes I don't think you have to be a believer. I think you just have to experience it and see Mm -hmm. where it takes you. Yeah. Exactly. I like it. Some things will speak to you and other things will not. And you just gravitate towards the things that speak to you. Yes. So I went to the World Happiness Summit this year Mm. and I also also went last year. And one of the things that one of the speakers... Wait, you're a two-time summit attendee? Yes. One of the speakers said, look, we're all focusing on our weaknesses. And we're, yeah. we're going, oh my gosh, I'm so bad at that. I need to become better. And then you become stressed because you don't want to do it. And his suggestion was just keep your weaknesses above water and focus on your strengths. Mm-hmm. And that's where your life is. That's where the good part, the quality part of your life is. I don't know why I got onto that tangent there, Lauren. You had said something that jumped into my mind. No, I'm but so glad you said that. Work- I love that. <laughs> and it's so true. Yeah. So about your weaknesses, people. Find someone else who that is their area of strength so that you can focus on what you are truly good at. That's your authentic self. That's how you find mm-hmm. your authentic self is figuring mm-hmm. out what you're good at, what you're not good at, what you have tolerance for. You know, we're meant to be happy. So tell us more about the happiness summit. So, where, so, well, where were they? They're overseas, right? So, well, this year was held in Lake, uh, Lake Como in Italy, which was absolutely beautiful. Oh. And la- last oh, year. That sounds okay. like a- Perfect place for the happiness summit. Was George and Clooney I was there? Going, well, I actually didn't see him. No, not on this trip. And so I was going down the street saying, ciao bello, ciao bella, ciao bello. And this uh, man said to me, you, you might want to pull back on the ciao bello. He said, because that really is going to get you a lot of attention with the gentleman. Oh. <laughs> and this, and oh. it was, but it was so much, yeah. it was so much fun to be able to, you know, speak a little Italian. I'm trying to learn Italian, I'm not trying, take that word out. I am learning Italian at the moment. Oh, and very it's, good. It's great fun. Great fun. So last year, what happened was a friend of mine sent me a text on a Monday morning and she said, Sinead, I'm going to Miami to the World Happiness Summit on Thursday. Someone has pulled out. Do you want to go? And I responded without even blinking. I responded, yes. And then I sat back and thought, I have no idea what that is. And I, I went, I booked a flight, went, and I arrived with a completely open mind. And that, is, that was the best place to be for me, for anybody mm. going to something like this. And I sat there for three days and I literally had my mouth open. 
I was in awe. It was a whole new world that I didn't realize was out there. They were the best positive psychologists from all over the world spoke. And they were just amazing. Every single one of them seemed to be speaking to me directly. There were also people in business. Now, before you think, oh, positive psychology and happiness summit, it sounds very frou-frou. And yes, of course, there were very frou-frou moments where you stand up and go, hallelujah. No, you don't. Do <laughs> but, but you do stand up and stretch and dance. Uh, but that that is a little frou-frou, yes. But there were moments of mind-blowing moments for me. So one of the speakers was Mo Gaudat, and I think I might be a little bit in love with him. He is an Egyptian guy who lives, I think, somewhere in the Middle East, like Dubai, and he has written several books. He was the CEO of Google X for, I don't know, 10 years, and he's a mathematician and an engineer by trade. He's the most down-to-earth guy you could ever hear speak. And his, his first book was Solve for Happy. He was going down this path of, well, how can I scientifically prove that you can be happy and stay happy? It's a really interesting read. And then he goes on to the book I'm reading at the moment is that little voice in your head. It's how Mm. your brain, your brain takes control because your brain is trying to keep you safe. So, oh, don't cross the road there. It's really busy. That's good. That's good for us. But your brain also says, oh no, don't react to what that person has said. Don't say what you really think because that might aggravate them. And that's not good. So we tend to do that 80 to 80 to 90% of the time. Our brain is actually being negative with us. So that little voice in your head, that book is retraining your brain to say, hey, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm enough. And one of the examples that one of the other speakers gave was you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, God, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep well. And then you get out and you think of all the things you've got to do and you get out of bed, you look in the mirror and you go, God, I look so tired. I look old today. And then your kids are screaming and then you don't have any milk for their breakfast. And then you get in the car and you rush to school, you rush to work. And then you're starting off your day at work and you're already in this place where there's negativity in your mind and you pass it on, you're passing it on to 10 other people. So the reason why positive psychology has been taken so seriously in the workplace, corporate America, and it's only the large companies like Google, Facebook, and they're trying to, they're saying, well, we have employees that are leaving. And then it costs us a huge sum of money to bring someone else in, to retrain them and to bring them up to speed on that job. And so what they're trying to do is, well, who are you? What role do you play in our work, in our workplace, and our workforce? And what skills do you have? What skills do you want to have? Where do you want to work? What job do you want to do? And can we either move you up or move you sideways so that you are happy in your job? And so companies like Deloitte and Touche, for example, the cultural director for Deloitte and Touche spoke for both years, actually, and talking about how important it is to have these programs filter down from you know the CEO down through everybody within the company. And they have, I don't know, 14,000, 15,000 people working for them, maybe more uh, worldwide. So for them, looking at this positive psychology within the individual and then within the workplace is extremely important. It costs them money. Other companies like it was hosted this year in Como by DHL Europe and the CEO was there and he also spoke. And they all have the most amazing stories. But to work for that companies like that, and I would say to young people now who are going out looking for a job in corporate America or global companies, is to interview the company, find out what do they have in place to look after their employees and go and work for those companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's a good point. What made you choose the Happiness Academy over a course in happiness from the World Summit? So, so the World Summit doesn't it doesn't offer well Wahasu does actually. Yes, Wahasu does, you're right. And that's World Happiness Summit is what that stands for, Wahasu. The one that came to me was one of the speakers actually was Tal Ben Shahar. And he was a Harvard professor for many years and he set up a program of positive psychology. He called it well-being. Because when you use the word happiness, and, and it's always discussed at, the, at these summits, when you use the word happiness, people go, happiness, really? You can't really be happy all of the time. And so the word that most people understand is well-being. And he has taken it to another level, a level and he calls it whole being. Mm. And that's what the focus, and most people will go, yes, I can relate to that. And I won't look silly relating to that, whereas I might look a little silly relating to the word happy. Even though we, I intertwine those words all the time. To me, they mean the same thing. It's not being happy. Oh, I'm happy. You know, that's not what happy is about. It's part of happy. It's probably joy. But happy is something that you're, is internal as well as external. And it's something that is, you're living your life this way. It's a choice that you make. And people who are not innately joyful or happy can learn how to do this stuff. Yeah. Can you share the six elements of well-being that the course is based on? Uh, five elements called SPIRE, S-P-I-R-E. And SPIRE is, and do not test me on anything else, Alexis, because I am only starting my course. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wait, you have, you have five elements and I have There's, six. <laughs> maybe they have. It's from the d- different programs, I bet. Okay. Because... Okay. Okay, so I'm going to start again. She thoroughly <laughs> researched this prior to probing you. So <laughs> I know that's what I'm scared of. I know. So the oh, sorry, go ahead. So out of that World Happiness Summit, I thought, oh, I have to do something. What am I going to do? You know, but I was afraid to take on executive life coaching because I wasn't sure if that was the right move for me. And that's a year commitment. And you actually go through life coaching yourself whilst you're doing it. Now, it's something that I still would love to do. And I'm heading towards that. But I was afraid to make a decision. And I so don't know. I, ne- I need to interrupt you because I think you are naturally gifted in that area. I always have helping people find their homes and their place in the world and moving on emotionally from a home or place, a situation is an incredible gift that you have. Thank you for saying that. That's wonderful. That's going to keep me going for weeks. <laughs> and you help people pack, I, which is just a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> Real estate for me is definitely a, a role of diplomacy. I think I'd make a good yes. ambassador you yes. know, for America somewhere. You're keeping everybody on an even keel. Mm. You're keeping the buyer, the seller, the listing or buying agent that you're with. You're keeping the attorneys happy. You're, you're making sure that information that's coming through is then you use different words to communicate it with your clients so you're not going to annoy them. And they're, mm-hmm. and then egos can get involved and you have to try and mm-hmm. keep them in a situation where people are using their brain rather than becoming emotional. And it's a tough gig. It is a tough gig. And I have to say, I love it. But with regards to the happiness certificate, so I decided that after I heard Hal Ben Shahar talk, I thought, well, he does a course and he does, at the time, he only had a, a year course, which was the Certificate in Happiness Studies. And now they have opened it up to a master's program, which takes two years. So I can just blend into the master's program if that's what I want to do. But I really wanted to dip my toe in to see, well, where do I want to go? What do I want to do with this new experience? And so that's why I started 
the Certificate in Happiness Studies with the HSA. And basically, there's five elements. It's spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational and emotional. And it's all about the whole being of you, the individual or the person that you may end up working with in the future. And it's tapping into those five elements. And once those five elements that you're working on them regularly, then you're living a wholesome life. And that's really what it is about. And then you take it to, you can take it to a business, you can take it to corporate level. And it all filters down, though, from the CEO. The people at the top have got to buy into the mm. whole idea of whole being in the workplace. Yeah. I read the World Happiness Report for 2023. I actually oh, printed it. I have it right here. It's a big report. <laughs> so I found it fascinating mm. that happiness is tied so much to, they say in their report, policy and institutions politics, Mm -hmm. leaders, Uh and that those sectors are responsible for our character and therefore trickle down to our well-being. It was pages and pages of Uh vague political agenda. Yeah. And the scary thing is that it's not seen as important in the political field. I was very lucky that on the first Bohasu summit I went to, Dr. Martin Sagelman, who is considered the godfather of positive psychology in America. He's 83 now, I think. And he was in a room with, you know, 10 people. And of course, myself and the buddy I was with, we snuck in and we all got, we all got to ask him a question. And when it came to my turn, this was completely new information for me. It was, I was just, everybody else seemed to be like so much more intelligent and they knew what they were talking about. I had no idea. But when it came to me, my question just popped into my head and I said to him, well, can you explain why after all of these years of you working in positive psychology with many companies and corporate companies around the world, that we are not implementing this idea into our elementary schools and into our politics, mm-hmm. into our governments? And he said, well, now there's the $6 million question. But he did explain it. He said, look, corporate companies or businesses see the, are starting in the last 15 years. This is a new phenomenon. It's, mm-hmm. They're only starting to see the value of looking after the person who works for you and making sure they are content and happy and living a whole being life and that they're bringing that to the workplace and they are going to work more effectively. You're going to get more out of them and you're going to make more money. So they see that. And they can see the results of that. Whereas we bringing it into elementary schools, it will happen. And it has started. I think some some elementary schools are doing things like mindfulness with kids. But it's new. It's relatively new. My son's in kindergarten and I'm very impressed that they do some mindfulness activities and they've been teaching the kids yoga and they do a lot of like moments of silence. Like let's sit in a room together and just be silent. Listen to yourself, breathe think about, you know, what's going on in your head right now. I think it's wonderful. And it's really important, mm-hmm. Lauren. It's fantastic that your school is doing it. That's yeah, really nice. Yeah. So the basic ideas for measure happiness, according to this report, is mm. people are replying on a scale of a zero to 10. How satisfied are you with your life? And so I want to ask you, when you began this happiness research, how happy were you? I think if you asked me if I, how happy I was last, this time last year, I would have said maybe five. And now? And now I'm definitely way up there. I'm heading towards a 10. 
the ironic thing is I actually feel that I'm in the process of taking a leap of faith and I'm actually right there taking the leap of faith. I'm in the middle of it, hoping that I'm going to grow wings or knowing that I'm going to grow wings and it's going to take me to the other side. So I, I say that with that in mind. Can we instead say that you already have your wings, but you forgot how to use them? Correct. Yes, you can. When you're a kid, you have no inhibitions and you can say what you want and you do what you want and you can achieve anything. And it's that, yeah, it's the child mindset coming back that you have your wings. I'm just oiling them. Hmm. So I took the first class of the Happiness Academy, the one that they offer, complimentary. Mm -hmm. And can you share with us when he talks about how luck plays a dominant role in our happiness and that ultimately we're the masters of our own fate. Can you share that mind with the listeners? I think you can go through life and you can depend on luck. And you can say somebody is a lucky person, but I'm not a lucky person or I am a lucky person and my neighbor is not. What the course is trying to teach is that we can actually retrain our brains to live a life that is happy for us. Now, there's always going to be ups and downs in life. That's just the way it is. But it makes you more resilient if you have this place that you can land and rely on, that you have built up over months or years, and you're able to sit back and say, well, now, hang on a second. How do I feel about that? Is it true? Am I being kind to myself? Am I being kind to the other person? And that's what this course is about. It's actually helping you to retrain how you think. And it's to take those negative thoughts away. It's to introduce you to, if you don't already do it, meditation. And meditation is a word that's thrown out that I like happy. People have connotations to it that they kind of go, "Mm, meditation. Meditation is basically, you could take two or three minutes in the morning and just mm-hmm. sitting, sitting upright and just, just being, just being with yourself. And that is a routine. And when you get into that routine, you then realize how powerful that actually is. And then gratitude is another part of happiness. How many of us go to bed at night or wake up in the morning and go, God, I'm so grateful. I so enjoyed that cup of coffee today. I'm so grateful for that. Or I'm so does. Gr- yeah. <laughs> Specifically the coffee aspect. So, and, and the funny thing is, you know, this is luxuries for your soul. And one of the luxuries for my soul is I have one strong cup of coffee a day. And it is my pivotal moment in the day where I just, this is my time. And woe mm-hmm. betide anybody who tries to take it away from me. <laughs> I, and I sit there with my little biscuit or cookie, as we say in America, and I, I just enjoy that time. It's such a small thing, but it has such a huge significance for me. And that would definitely be a luxury for my soul. And I'm, Lauren, I'm glad to hear it has the same effect on you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So your teacher has the three R's, the repetition, reminder, and rituals, which you just touched on. Mm-hmm. What are the reminders for you? Reminders not to think negatively. And again, that the somatic therapy that I'm doing and you're and mm-hmm. rewriting, I'm reprogramming my brain. That's what it feels like. It's like my brain yeah. is a little computer, a large, magnificent computer. <laughs> and there I'm changing my wording that I just did now. Yes. I don't have a small little brain. I have a huge, fabulous, beautiful brain. And I'm rewiring it. I'm reminding it. I'm correcting myself. I'm correcting how I think. If I have an, if I'm sitting and I'm irritated, I don't go blasted. I'm irritated and become more irritated. I say to myself, well, 
that is making you feel that way. And I'm sitting with it and it's horrible to do. And then you realize, okay, this is what's irritating me. Well, really, is that a champagne problem? Do we really really need to give that attention or do we need to give it as much attention as you're giving it? Or do we need to rectify it somehow? Do we need to talk to somebody? Do we need to let somebody know how we feel or how that affected us? And then you sit with it, you go through with it and then you move out. And so that's the repetition and that's the reminder. It's all, they're all rolling into one and it's a constant thing that you do. And it's not homework. It's not horrible to do. It's actually something that happens naturally once you get into the mode. It's like learning how to ride a bicycle. I love how you keep curse because I feel like people really, I find myself doing that a lot where I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm being self-deprecating. I, as I've told Alexis a lot, I'm a lot funnier than she is. So, you know, I make jokes a lot, but you don't realize how, like you just said, small brain. Well, that's not necessary. Just being kinder to yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've been trying to pay attention to. Even when I'm writing an email to someone, you know, no, no, I'm going to delete that and reword it a different way. So it sounds more positive Mm or just reframing things. I just don't think people realize how they come across or how that can really affect you. You say those things, even if you're joking enough out loud to yourself, you're going to start to think it and feel it. And no, I just, yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. I'm always telling Lauren more words. Is there more to that? Cause she'll be abrupt and she'll just say, say it like, yeah, there it is. And I'm like, but wait, what's behind that? More, give me more. And she's like, what? Well, you need a lot of information. You enjoy a lot of words, a lot of information. You just printed out, you know, six chapters of the Happiness Summit and you've divulged into it all. I'm a little less than that. So, Lauren, you're just different. You say what you want. It is now the the mediator in between us. (laughs) See what just happened? You say a lot lot more in fewer words. And that's wonderful in itself. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> well, uh, well, Alexis, I do have to say I am a lot more like you in the sense that I use a lot of words because I like words and I also like to describe things in different ways because sometimes when I'm listening to somebody, I don't hear what they're saying because they're not saying it in a way that I'm taking in. So I like to, it's like the buds of, you know, the petals on a flower. I like to say it in this way and that way and that way so that and hence I use a lot of words so that every, so most people can pick up what I'm trying to get across. Mm. And I hear what's not being said. <laughs> I like to dig a little deeper because I was like, you wanted to say something there, but you didn't give it to You me. are a digger. Yeah. That is for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes people are not ready, you know, right. and, and that's okay too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll be here when you're ready. Oh, and and next year, Lauren, because I'm correcting myself now, wait until you see me next year. I mean, I'm just going to be perfection personified. I think you already already are. are. Yes. Yes. No, I think obviously it's going to be. So uh, when I was doing, when I'm doing the healing stuff, I'm going, okay, right. I want to get it done. I want to have heal. I want to get it over with. Let's move on. And she laughed and said, yes, yeah, this is actually a lifetime thing that we're doing. So we'll always be correcting our brains from saying negative Mm -hmm. things and turning them into positive. But the fact that we realize we're saying it is that we're already there. It's the big step. It's true. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's why maybe yeah. some of these practices are intimidating to people because it is, you know, it's mm. a life, it's a mm. thing that you, we have to commit to and, you know, and do it all the time. It's a way of living. 
it's not just a class that you pass and move on. 100%. It's a life choice. And it is a choice. You are making a choice. I, you know, I see my kids sometimes and they make the wrong choice as far as I'm concerned, but I have to stay <laughs> quiet. Well, I don't usually. I'm lying there. I actually say to them, I think you're doing the wrong choice, but it's your choice to make. So go for it. And I've got your back. That's great. You're supportive, yes, I, but you allow them the I, space to make the decision, which is wonderful. It's very hard. I can only imagine. But Lauren, yeah. you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, we have to get out of the way because it's their life. We can't make those choices for them. I'm only in the beginning phases of watching them make their decisions for themselves. Nobody ever said being, you know, a parent was easy. And that's another thing. We never get courses or we never get information on how to be a parent. You know, we should all be going to school and going to college to figure that out or to be told how to handle kids when they're young and when they're teenagers and as they get older. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that's innate that we have to try and do a good job of. But we mostly do. I couldn't believe they were letting me leave the hospital with my newborn baby when I had my first. I thought, is this, a, this is allowed? I'm legally allowed to take this child home. I mean, they didn't, I said, isn't someone going to check the car seat to make sure that it's in? They're like, no, your husband put it in. I said, I know. Shouldn't it be checked? Isn't there like a policeman that comes in to make sure you're just on your own? A policeman? It was a process. Oh, I think there should be. Yes. That's a good idea. I actually do think a lot of people should have to pass a course before they take kids. But, well, you know, that's a whole other tangent. But, yeah, I just couldn't believe. I'm like, oh, all right, here you go. No books. Just out into the world with your baby. Garrett was the best swaddler. Mason was like in a little burrito for three weeks straight. He slept amazingly. I was like, I couldn't swaddle them. I'm like, can you talk? They were all like little, little mummies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should get to some of our classic mm. questions. Mm. I do feel like we covered a ton of ground. Oh, can I just say one thing before we, you move on? I would suggest to anybody listening, if they're interested in dipping their toe into the idea of happiness or well-being or whole-being or whatever word that you're comfortable with, there is one course that is free that I would suggest that, that you take, and it's Laurie Santos, and you can get it on Coursera. And she's a Yale professor. And a couple of years ago, she said, oh, gosh, the students are not in great form. They're going around the campus and they don't look mm. good. So she came up with the idea of doing a happiness course, but she didn't call it that because she didn't want to scare them. So it's called the Science of Wellbeing. And it's a, I think it's a 10 week course and anybody can take it online. And she's just developed it now for teenagers. So they're hoping to implement that in schools, obviously, you know, oh, around, around, around the world. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. But it's a fun one to take. That came out around COVID. She launched that, correct? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's another fabulous professor called uh, Fred Luskin and he is in Stanford and he has done a program or is teaching a program called the Forgiveness, the Forgiveness, oh, pr Forgiveness yes. Program. And he's also spoken at the, at Mohasu for the last two years. And some people don't resonate with that, but oh my gosh, I just thought he was speaking directly to me. So he, the whole idea of forgiveness for him is if you don't forgive, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. And if you don't forgive, that will appear in you. Like, remember mm -hmm. those remember those parts of you around the table. It will appear in some shape or form. It could be sad you, it could be angry you, it could be dark you. And it will live with you and stay with you. And over time, it will cause you hurt or damage and it will stop you from moving forward. It could morph into a physical ailment. And very often does. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for that ad. Um, we will link to those things in the show notes for people seeking happiness. I want to be so bold here as to say that maybe you should become a somatic therapy teacher, instructor. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get that close to people. <laughs> you can do it on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, you can do it on Zoom, but I insist on doing it one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I need to have someone mm -hmm. in the room. That's just me. You definitely you want but to feel all the fear. You definitely need yeah. to be a life coach. Mm. I would hire you. Oh. oh, Lauren, thank you so much. And you know, Lauren, one of the things that we said earlier that I just wanted to say something else on, and it was the fact that you said that you're like me, you say you're a yes person, you're a pleaser, and it's a routine. And I think now that I'm examining that myself, I do think that when you do that, it, it chips a little bit away at your own soul. So I would mm. watch for it and practice just or try it on, not practice, but try it on not handing out the, the spray at the end of the yoga class or whatever. Just try it on. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but it's letting your brain know that it's okay. How did you get to the point? So for me, I feel like not to, and we can cut this Lexus, but I'm curious. For, sure. And she says, I don't talk enough. So pipe down. Here we go. We're not cutting. Um, yeah. For me, I feel like I'm a very nice person. I like to be helpful. I like to take care of people. I like to hand out things like I like to be useful. And so it's just sort of innate, you know, I don't, I don't mind. But then I do say yes to so many things that afterwards I don't know why I've said yes. It becomes very taxing. How did you get to a point where you kind of separate, you know, figuring out what things you're saying yes to that aren't really about, you know what I mean? I'm, I feel like I'm articulating this poorly, but like, I want to be a no, nice I, person I, and be helpful, but I also don't, I feel like I have a hard time figuring out which goes in which category, if you will. Yeah. I think once you start, you've actually started it already because you've, you've asked the question mm -hmm. and we were discussing it this morning. So you've already started. So now what you're going to do is you're going to, the next time you find yourself doing that, your brain will click in and it'll go, oh, I'm actually doing this. I'm actually being a people pleaser or I'm saying yes to things that I haven't thought about whether, what are my, my own wants and needs before I make that choice. And you're going to start thinking about that now. And my voice is going to be in your brain and I'm going to drive you crazy. I don't think so. I really, I really enjoy your Irish accent. I have to tell you, I think you should start reading books on tape. <laughs> Oh my gosh, too funny. So the thing you, you said there that I, I like being useful to others and you like being a nice person to others. So for whom are you being nice and for whom are you being useful? Are you being useful to yourself? In Are you justifying things to, you know, are you doing something to for other reasons? Are you doing it for yourself? And that's the first question I would ask. And, and I'm asking, mm. Lauren, with, with my hand on my heart, you can't see me, but I'm saying that to you because I'm going through the exact, exactly the same thing. Am I doing this for myself or am I doing it for somebody else? Am I doing it to please somebody else? And do I need to? I don't need to go around pleasing everybody all of the time. That's not my job. Right. My job is to look after myself, is to love myself and to look after myself. And then when I am doing that, I will naturally go back into the mode of, you know, helping others when I can, where I can, when I, when it brings me joy. Yeah. No, thank you. That's a good point. Right. <laughs> Right. Oh, how do you detach while helping people? This relates to real estate. This relates to 
you know, people you're crossing paths with, how do you detach from those emotions when you realize this isn't happiness or we've crossed some boundaries here? Mm. Well, I find it very difficult to detach from clients, from Mm -hmm. family. I find that the toughest thing to do because once I'm involved, I'm involved. And specifically in real estate, people don't realize until they actually get into the process of it that they're selling their house or they're buying a house or apartment or whatever. And you actually become emotionally involved. There's huge empathy involved in selling your home, for example. And they're usually people have many happy memories there. And it is something where you, you can't help yourself. So it, when you say to someone, now put your business hat on because you're selling, a, you know, a property that's a large sum of money and doesn't matter what sum it is for anybody whoever's, who's selling it, it's still a large sum of money. It's important. They can't do that. They think they can, but they can't because they're now selling their home. And they have, you know, this is where they had this dresser and this is where they had this table. And there are memories there of sitting around the table having dinner with your kids and stuff. So it's very difficult. And I find it tough to separate that as well, because you do become involved in the person's life and you do become involved in the sale of their home. And I'm getting better at setting boundaries for myself. And it's funny, last night I was becoming irritated over um, a purchase and sale that was, that I had to proof and I was becoming irritated with the other side because they weren't, they were being difficult and weren't giving me what I wanted, information that I wanted and they're being slow and I, and I had to sit with myself and go, okay, I'm irritated. Okay, this is the reason I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. Is it a champagne problem? They're just my words I use when I'm talking to myself. Is it a real problem or is it something that would be solved overnight or may I just let it go? And so I just let it go. I put my words into writing in an email and I just let it go. So I'm only, I'm getting to that stage where I can identify the issue that's going on in my head, where I'm becoming emotionally involved and emotion could be a bad emotion, not just a happy emotion and identifying it and then just sitting with it and then going through. Yeah. A story just popped into my head and I don't know if you remember this or not. When we were at the closing of our house, And I had just realized, we just signed everything. And I realized that I left the mirror on the bathroom wall. And I said, oh, loud, I forgot to take the mirror off the bathroom wall. It was an antique mirror that I had traveled to Brimfield when I was pregnant Mm. to purchase for that bathroom, specific design, specific color, Mm -hmm. all of that. Because we built the house and everybody turned and looked and you were like, well, we can grab it this afternoon. And the owners, they just, the new owners, they just looked at me. And I remember thinking like, well, they wanted to buy some of the furniture in the house because everything was designed a specific way. And I said no to several things and that mirror never came up and it was never discussed that it wasn't Mm -hmm. included. And I just remember thinking that might be important to them, but it's important to me too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it's okay. You can have it. It's my gift to you. And I so regretted that because I kept thinking, what if they remodel that bathroom and then that mirror goes? It's not really a gift to them because they didn't express whether they wanted it or not. And I just kept thinking that meant something to me. It didn't mean anything to them and I let it stay. But my decision in that moment was, do I truly have a new place for this mirror? And I didn't. It was meant for that bathroom. Mm -hmm. But that emotion of, it might not mean anything to them. They don't know that I traveled pregnant to get this mirror for this bathroom. And on that trip is, I decided the name of my child. 
they didn't know that. Mm. So I hope they still have that mirror. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the story. That mirror came into your life and then it it left your life and you were grateful Mm -hmm. for it it being with you. And then you said goodbye to it. And Mm -hmm. yeah. And I, even though I've moved again, I still don't have a place for the mirror. (laughs) It's where it's meant to be. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, they sold it or gave it away. It was pretty cool. (sighs) Material possessions, right? Right back to happiness. Material possessions aren't supposed to make us happy, but sometimes Mm -hmm. they do. Sometimes they do. I look at my jewelry and I go, (gasps) Um, one of Mo Gadat's um, recommendations is you stand in front of a mirror, you take everything off and you go, and this is me. I love me the way I am. And, you you know, take off your jewelry. I said, there's no way I'm taking off my jewelry. If something brings you joy, it brings you joy. And if it's a material thing that brings you joy, so be it. Right. I love that you love those pieces so much. That just means the world to me. Lauren, do you want to start with our end of episode question? Do you have a signature scent? I haven't worn perfume in 20 years. And uh, recently, my niece was wearing a fabulous scent and I said, oh, I want that. It's kind of a hint of masculine mm. scent. And so she she got it for me. It's called, well, my sister bought it for me. It's called Creed. Aventus I Creed. love that. That is in my top five mm. favorite. Yes, it's very sexy, very masculine. I love it. Yes. <laughs> it's the new me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a personal mantra or favorite quote? I have two current ones. One is, I can do hard things. Mm. And the other one is I give myself permission to accept abundance into my life. Mm. That's a good one too. Mm -hmm. What is your latest luxury for your soul? Apart from my coffee, I would say recently I was at the Women's International Conference in Boston. Viola Davis was speaking. She was fabulous. Mm. And I met this woman who was a photographer and she was doing a special discount to sign up for photos. So I said, okay, I'll sign up for that. Great. Didn't even think anything of it. I knew I needed new business photos, but I also wanted to get personal photos for myself. You know, I just thought a little boost of confidence and it'd be nice to have a photograph. I can, you know, blow it up and put it in my bedroom. Nobody else would see it. It's just, and I wanted one, I wanted one of my face, you know, just like a nice close up of my face. Cause I thought I'm 55 and you know, in 10 years time, I can look back and go, Hey, I looked good. So this was going through my head. And so a week later, I thought, well, I better look up that photographer. So I looked up the photographer and what came up was a website for boudoir photographs. Now, if you don't know what boudoir photographs are, there were a lot of women in lingerie. Mm -hmm. And so I went, oh my God, I can't believe I've signed up for this. So I called the lady and I said, listen, I actually made a mistake. You can, you know, keep the money I gave you. But I said, I I made a mistake. So sorry. I thought I was signing up for, I wanted to get business photos and I wanted to get a personal photograph. And she laughed and she said, Sinead, I have two different websites. And she said, you're definitely coming in to do the business and the personal photographs. And she said, but we're going to do a few boudoir photos too. And she said, it's not, it's the opposite of a rot. And I was thinking, oh my God. And she said, no, Sinead, you're going to feel so comfortable. These photos are going to be for you. So I went in and I spent like four hours with her at at a sitting. And it was absolutely amazing. I felt, you know, I did my, all the normal photos and then I did the boudoir photos and I just felt like a million dollars. She just made me feel fabulous. And it was very little makeup. I was concerned I would be plastered in makeup. There was very little makeup and it was just, you know, 
me laughing with her and her taking photographs. And I had a ball. And I've just recently received the photos and they are, um, they're so cool to have. They're just so wonderful. And even my kids are laughing going, wow, these are really great for you to have. And we'll have them in years to come. And <laughs> That's wonderful. I know it was a really cool thing to do. And that was definitely a luxury for my soul. I get such joy. I got such joy out of that. Thank you for sharing them with me. <laughs> they are you can stunning. share Lauren. <laughs> yes, I want to say. Stunning, stunning. One we're going to use for this episode cover. What does it mean to you to have a well-lived life? Back to my children. To have a well-lived life would be to have children who are kind and thoughtful. And I'm so far, I think they, they're fabulous. I'm so proud of, of them all. I would say to have loved deeply and to have been loved deeply, to learn and to gain knowledge and to share wisdom. Mm. Simple things, but important to me. And to also to have been or to have lived an authentic life, to be my authentic self as much as I can possibly be. It's a great answer. Thank you for sharing yours. It's such a pleasure. I'm so glad that you've entered our life that random day on a motorbike. <laughs> I love that visual. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both for such a wonderful time. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And it's been so lovely to be honest and open and have a chat with two fabulous women. So nice to virtually meet you. I've heard so many wonderful things. <laughs> you too. Better than she described. <laughs> <laughs> and she said wonderful things. So thank you so much for doing this. It was so nice to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you are now inspired to find your happy. We have included all of the links mentioned in the show notes below. Don't forget to join us in our new Facebook community for behind the scenes conversations, question prompts, and more. If you're loving these conversations and want to show your support, take a screenshot of your favorite episode to share on social media, leave us a five-star review, and hit that subscribe button for all the luxuries for your soul. We will catch you in the next episode. Bye, everyone.